The scripture reading today comes from Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, and it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Good morning, Redeemer. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, we have a very important text in front of us, so I want to jump right in. I, I have to say, as a pastor, uh, parenting is one of the most humbling topics to teach. Um, so here's what I want to say about that. Um, I want to thank my children uh, for they have raised some good parents. Um, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, Lisa and I have learned so much from our children. Uh, we have learned about life. We have learned about Jesus. We have learned about justice. We have learned about the Bible. We have learned about beauty. We have learned about science, about dogs, about relationships, about puppies, about bugs, about dirt, about poop, about church, about boys, about girls, about life, about fun, about forgiveness, about love, and they have made life life. Why is parenting so humbling? Well, I, I think it's, as one friend has said it to me, and I hope this doesn't offend you all, but a good friend, Phil Gallo, said, the question is not if you're going to mess your kids up. The question is only about when you're going to mess your kids up. It's humbling because failure is guaranteed. Can I get an amen from parents? Yeah. <laughs> Expectations and intentions are so good. We read so many books and talk to so many parents who are older than us. And we have to realize that the older we get, we realize that it's our kids that have raised some pretty incredible parents because they are such incredibly forgiving people, our kids are. Aren't they, parents? And I think this is an incredible text for us humbled parents who even in our bumbling efforts, hopefully, Lord willing, bring a taste of God to our children. I love this text. And here is the big idea of this text. Mothers and fathers, partner in the Lord with your children. Fathers and mothers, partner in the Lord. I, lo I love how he says it twice in this text, in the Lord. Mothers and fathers, partner in the Lord. Partner in the Lord together. You see, in the book of Ephesians, Christ is bringing all things under his headship. That is what we learn in Ephesians 1.10. There is something cosmic going on in this world. He is bringing cosmic reconciliation and unity in all things in this world under his headship things on earth and things in heaven. He begins by bringing unity between God, the Godhead, the Trinity, and mankind. Where there was enmity and anger between God and mankind, in chapter two he is now bringing unity and reconciliation between God and man. Glory to God and his grace. The church says amen, right? 
Then in chapter three, we see that he is bringing unity and reconciliation between mankind and mankind, between Jew and Gentile. He's reconciling peoples together. And the church says, amen. We are the fruit of that reconciliation, aren't we? Nations and peoples reconciled in the household of God. And then we saw last week that even though men are from Mars and women are from Venus, in the, in the marriage relationship, he's reversing the curse on Adam and Eve. And now in marriage relationship, there is unity. There's unity. That Jesus is bringing unity in marriage relationship according to Ephesians 5. And now... What we see is that in Christ, fathers and children, mothers and children are unified in a Christ-formed family where there's struggle for power. There's now unity. Paul addresses and commands children in the very same breath that he addresses and commands fathers. (laughs) See, we gloss over this text. There's no irony in this text for us anymore. But if you were in a courtyard under Roman law and you were a father under Patria Protestus, which was the Roman law during the day, and your sons and daughters were commanded to obey, which was the normal law, and then in the very same breath, the Apostle Paul addressed you and commanded you not to provoke your children. Wow. One commentary, Honer, says the father's control over the son was for life. He could imprison the son, scourge, shame, and punish the son, sell him into slavery up to three times, and even have him killed. Paul instructs fathers to educate not only the sons, but the daughters, children. Bring the children up in the Lord in a time when most women were not educated at all. Ben Witherington comments on this section that Paul makes children and wives and servants responsible for the good ordering of the home and household as he does the head of the home. You see, in Paul, there is great tension in these household codes where he believes in the radical equality of the gospel that we see in Ephesians 5.21, we're being filled with the Spirit, there is mutual submission in the household of God, and yet in the household, our household, he still holds on to headship. Do you understand that? There is great tension in Paul. In Jesus Christ, there is both. So he can, in one breath, command children to obey and command fathers not to provoke. Why? Because he believes in the church of Jesus Christ that there is mutual headship, I mean mutual submission. And at the very same time, he also believes that there is authority and headship in the home. 
fascinating how there's both great equality and great authority. Great equality and great authority. Great equality and great authority. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ sets up. That's what the law of love sets up. Mothers and fathers partner in the Lord with your children. And so here are a few ways that I think this text commands us to partner with our children. So the text begins with children. Now, children is a general term. It's, it's of age that they would have been able to actually listen to Ephesians in the courtyard and understand. Typically, a letter would have been received in a courtyard by Paul and it would have been read six times. So obviously, those that are addressed would have actually understood. So children would have been listening and would have understood the letter being written. What I love about this text is that the Apostle Paul, who was in the church at Ephesus, would have addressed the children. He valued them. He respected them. They were a part of his apostolic churches. They were members of his apostolic churches. He treats them with equal respect as the fathers, and he addresses them as members. He does not ignore them. That's, that's really important, church, especially the adults in the church. He does not ignore them. Let me repeat that. Paul does not ignore the children of the church. And as the pastor of this church, nor, nor do I, the children of this church are critical to this church. So if you're a child in this church, I want you to know that from the rest of the members of this church. You are critical to this church. And not only does the Apostle Paul address you as critical to the church, so does your pastor. You are important and critical to this church. And so I, I just, if you can, just stand for one second. If you're, if you're a child in this church, under 18, you can just stand for one second. And I just want the rest of us adult members to just clap and to thank God. We highly value as members of this church. And I want to say to Redeemer, do not ignore the children of this church. They are locked arms with you in our mission to make disciples in this area. And now that I have three teenagers and almost a fourth, let me tell you, it is hard. It is hard to make disciples in elementary school and junior high school and high school in this area. It is hard. And we need to be praying for our children. A couple months ago, I was talking to two of my children. One of them is about to go and go off to college, and the two of them were talking about going off to college, and it hit them. Wow, we're leaving Redeemer. And they started getting sad. 
and said, we love Redeemer. We love this church. This is our church and we love it. And it hit me. You all have created a church, Redeemer, where kids love to be. And that is amazing. Here's why. You have not ignored the children of this church. You have discipled them and been a great example to them. And I was gonna run through a list of names of people that I wanted to thank, but I was so afraid that I was gonna forget one, and so I didn't wanna offend anybody. (laughs) But at the same time, I wanted to say thank you. All right, now kids, pay attention to this text, because this text has some things for you to listen to and to think through. Children, partner with your parents and the Lord in two ways. Obey them as you would the Lord, and value what they say. Honor them, honor your father and mother. Verse one says, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. For this is right, meaning this is righteousness and justice. This is righteousness and this is justice. It is the right and just thing to obey your parents in the Lord. Remember the context. Everybody is is sitting in a courtyard and the children are sitting in, there's no CM. Everybody's sitting in the courtyard and the the parents and and the people, they're they're all sitting there. And, 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 And the text is read, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. Obey Jesus' teaching. The commands of Christ are on you as much as they are on them. Obey your father and mother in the Lord. It's not obey your believing parents. It's obey your mother and father in the Lord. Children, look up for a second. When you obey your parents, you are obeying Jesus. When you are obeying your parents, you are obeying Jesus. Parents, when they are obeying you, remind them that they are obeying Jesus. They are obeying Jesus. Kids, here's the beautiful thing about that picture in the courtyard. Your parents are in a church. They're gathered with other people. And I know most of, I know most of your parents. I'm not trying to get them in trouble, all right? <laughs> when your parents ask you to do something that is disobeying Jesus, tell someone in the church because it's a family. Does that make sense? Parents, wouldn't you agree with that? We are a family seeking to obey Jesus in everything, in the Lord. That's where there's, this is a partnership. We are seeking to obey Jesus in everything. That includes parents obeying Jesus, amen? Honor, honor, I love this word. 
Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. The parentheses, this is the first commandment with a promise. There is a promise in the second commandment. So this is a first commandment with a promise. It's either a specific promise or a promise to children. You decide. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you that you may live long in the land. Now, that's just a simple covenantal promise and so we have to do some interpretation of, of what, what's the promise to children today because of all the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus says. All the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, meaning we, we're not tied to a land. We're not tied to Israel. Our inheritance now is not a land, it's Jesus he has fulfilled all the law. Our inheritance now is Christ, okay? Paul's not saying obey the law and therefore you will live long in the land. That's, that's, that's not what Paul is saying. What he is saying though is honor your father and mother, meaning give weight to their wisdom. Parents, do you love your kids? Most of the time, you're giving wisdom to your children, right? 95% of that time, it's because you want your kids to dwell in the land and live long and prosper, right? Sorry, that was Spock, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> yes or no? All right, kids, your parents didn't pay me to say this. Most of the wisdom that they share with you is 95% of the time, they get nothing out of it. Okay, for instance, one of the things that I try to teach my kids since they were young, very, very young, is you have to learn to work hard when you don't feel like it. Anybody hear that? Will you probably live long in the land if you learn that? Yes or no? Okay, stand up, adults, if you had to work hard this week, even though you didn't feel like doing it. Okay, kids, look around, all right? Kids, kids, look around. This isn't just a kid thing, this is, this is an adult thing. All right, you can sit down. Sorry you had a bad week. Kids, I am for real in this. Honor, give weight to what your parents are saying. Give weight to it. There's promise in it. Give weight to it. Honor it. That, that's literally what honor your father and mother means. It's, it's give weight to it. Partner with them in it, meaning listen to it. Give weight to it. See, this is what happens. The, the, the older you get, the more voices you're going to listen to. And it's the voices of friends. Friends are critical, friends are important. But friends have voices and they're loud. And, and they start crowding out the voices of your parents. And start, they'll start giving you voices that are contradictory to your parents. And that means that those voices actually have more weight than the voices of your parents. It's coming, okay? Um, pastor is a prophet. <laughs> or he's just done it himself and has kids. Um, I'm just encouraging you 
give weight. Give weight. The commandment of the apostle is to give weight to mother and father because there's promise in giving weight to their counsel. That's what the apostle is saying. Now, now he addresses parents. And I wanna say parents first because there's, some, there's a couple points that I wanna address mothers and fathers and then we'll get to fathers because obviously in verse four he addresses fathers. Um, and I think there's a reason for that. Um, but I wanna address parents, mothers and fathers first. Now remember the big idea is mothers and fathers partner in the Lord with your children. And, and, and what I mean by partner is mothers and fathers Respect your kids and listen to them. When, when you partner with someone, there's a mutual respect for them, right? You don't partner with someone that you don't respect. You would never partner with someone you don't respect, right? Yes or no? Someone you partner with, you listen to, right? Partner is an important word because partner is a growing relationship. A two-year-old can barely talk. A 12-year-old can talk a lot more. This is a growing partnership of respect and listening. Does that make sense? Partner is an important word. Partnership has a goal. We partner together on mission. There's, there's, there's a goal. Parenting in this text has a goal. In the Lord, right? In the Lord. There, there's, a, there's a point to the partnership. We're doing this in the Lord. I'm partnering in respect and listening because, because the goal of my relationship with this other human being that has been created in the image of God and has been given to me is for the Lord. Do you, do you see? It's in the Lord. It's for his glory. It's for his glory. So there's some things that, that we, we can do in this partnership. The Apostle Paul says that our children are to obey in the Lord and the Apostle Paul also instructs us some things in the Lord. And I think as parents, there are a few things that, thank God, he gives us to do first before we get to the parenting part. And this first one is this. Remember the order of Ephesians. Before you get to parenting, remember the order of Ephesians. What do I mean by that? When my uncle was a little kid and he was learning how to write out the alphabet, he asked my grandmother, Grandma, how do you write the letter L-M-N-O-P? To which my grandmother said, what letter is L-M-N-O-P? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L-M-N-O-P. My grandmother said, oh, that's L-M-N-O-P. L comes before P. 
Church, repeat that. L comes before P. Good. Church, if you have kids, I want to remind you of the order because if you get the order wrong, you're going to be in a world of trouble and hurt and a steady state of guilt. Here's the order. Ephesians 5.1 comes before Ephesians 6.4. If you get the order wrong, you're going to be in a steady state of guilt. So read Ephesians 5.1 real quick. Let's, let's just read it aloud. Someone read it aloud, very loudly. Imitators of God as beloved children. Before you are mothers and fathers, you are beloved children. Before you are parents responsible for bringing up kids, you are beloved children. Before you are the parents who are guilty of making a lot of mistakes, and feeling the guilt of those mistakes, you are the dearly loved children for whom Christ died. And you must get that order correct because guilt is coming your way. And parenting guilt is some of the worst guilt you are ever going to feel in your life. Can I get an amen? And you must remind yourself, church, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you must remind each other, and you must build a church where parents gospelize each other, that even parental guilt was crushed under the love of Jesus Christ at the cross. Shall I repeat that? Or, or is there quiet because there's guilt and you don't believe me. Dan Allender wrote a book, How Children Raise Parents. And he has a wonderful quote here that I want to read real quick. If I can find it. The tension between sin and redemption is to name both the ongoing staggering blight of darkness in my soul, even as I am surrounded and penetrated by the glory of the light of Christ. It is not an either or, but a both and stance. I am both light and dark, alive and dead, sinful and redeemed. This stance allows me to face more deeply all that is left to be redeemed in my being while not denying the glory of what has been revealed to me and done within me. This is what I need to show my children, is that I am a dearly loved child. I am a sinner who desperately needs Jesus Christ to forgive my sins. And if I am not fully rooted in the forgiveness and love of Christ, but in the guilt and condemnation of my sin, especially when I mis make mistakes as a parent, that is what I pass on to my children. Does that make sense? The order is of critical importance. I 
am a child of God. I am a child of God. 5.1 comes before 6.4, and 5.22 through 33 becomes, comes before 6.4, and this is brief. You are a husband and wife before you are a mom and dad. You are a husband and wife before you are a mom and dad. I loved it. A few months ago, Lisa told me to stop calling her mama. She said, I ain't your mama, I'm their mama. I'm your wife. And so now I call her my hot mama. But it's true. Kids can take over marriage. And life can become LMNOP. It can become really, really confusing and really stuck together, especially when you have kids and you can lose perspective. And husbands and wives, just remember, those kids are going to leave. <laughs> loving your wife and loving your husband is critical, is critical. Let me repeat, especially if you have very young kids. Loving your wife and loving your husband and having a loving marriage is critical to loving your children. Again, I wanna read Dan Allender, he says this. Every marriage is the proving ground for wrestling with the deepest matters of the heart. If one spouse refuses to hear the matters of eternity in the marriage relationship, it's unlikely that he or she will be able to do so as a parent. The level of our grappling and the depth of our honesty in confronting life as it is in our marriage will determine our ability to guide our children into an honest pursuit of God and his purposes. That's the music and the power of a godly marriage. Second, second, and this is to comfort, is you're not alone in parenting. And this is good news. We are in the Lord. We are in the Lord. Kids are called to obey their parents in the Lord. Fathers are instructed to instruct their kids in the Lord. Moms and dads, your kids have someone who love them even more than you love them, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that. You may right now have a child that is sick. You may have a child that has rebelled. You may have a child that has run away. You may have a child that you have been praying for for a long, long time. Just know this, you have a savior and a king who has brought you out of a pit and loves your child more than you ever, ever, ever will. And you are not alone. And, and that is the despair of every parent. I am alone in this.
and let me speak from someone who has been held by the Father and spoken to by Jesus, you are not alone. He loves your son. He loves your daughter. He's grieving with you. And let me remind you, he has killed death dead. And if your king can kill death and sin, then his arm of salvation is not too short. His arm of healing is not too short. You are not alone, and he is with you. He is with you. And where his presence is not felt is a time where you need to hold on to his promise. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, his promise is tried and true, and you can hold on to it and believe it. Now, he addresses dads. And I think he addresses dads. I do think moms are in the background of this, but I think he addresses dads because in this context, dads were responsible for the education of sons and in this context, daughters from the ages of seven to 16. If you read Plutarch and you read Prudentus, you will see that in most contexts during this time, from the ages of seven to 16, they were responsible for the education. Even if you read in Galatians, it was a household manager that a dad would put responsibility over the children for their education. And so because we're dealing with the education of the children, it makes sense potentially that Paul addresses fathers. Now, that's my speculation. You can do your own reading and come up with your own idea. That is my speculation as to why I think he's addressing fathers. There's about four or five reasons. That's the one that I think is probably most understandable. Um, I am still truly fascinated that the command to the children is side by side with the command to the father. I think the apostle Paul makes it very clear um, that the child has responsibilities in this partnership and the father has responsibilities in this partnership. The child is called to obey and listen fathers. The child is called to obey and the father is called not to make it hard to obey. The child is called to obey and the father is called not to make it hard to obey. Do not make your children angry is the sense of the verb. It's causal. Do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate your children. When I was doing the Greek study in the sense of the verb, these are the, these are the other words that you could put in there. Do not provoke, do not resent. Do not be excessive or severe in your discipline. Do not be harshly demanding. Do not abuse your authority. Do not be arbitrary or unfair. Do not nag, do not condemn. Do not subject your child to humiliation. Do not uh, be insensitive to your child's needs. Um, I also think don't play the hypocrite. Don't call your children to things that you're not doing yourself. 
Your call, brother, is to imitate God as a dearly loved child. Be slow to anger and abounding in love. Fathers, the, 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 the call is to create a culture where the child has as few hurdles to possibly obey fathers. Take away as many hurdles as you possibly can to obey the Lord. Partner with your children to take away as, as, as many hurdles as you can in your anger. Does that make sense, fathers? Obey the Lord yourself in being slow to anger. Imitate God as dearly loved children. Create Christ cultures, loving cultures in your home. The command is to, to take care of their needs, to, to nourish them, literally, to, to bring them up. He's looking at the, the fathers and saying, nourish your kids, don't leave them. Take care of their physical needs. Bring them up, rear them, provide for them, look after them, take care of them until they're an adult. Don't be resentful because they cost a lot of money. <laughs> and then two words. There, there's some overlap, but discipline them, meaning specifically train them. It, it's a comprehensive word. This is a big world, fathers. So comprehensively train them how to interact in their big world. Do you know that? It's a big world, fathers. Help them interact in their big world that's coming towards them. Understand the big world that they're living in and comprehensively start to train them in their big world and then instruct them. Instruct them whether that's in the Lord or of the, the Lord. I, you have to determine which word. I think it's both. In and of. It's both the, the content and the character of the teacher in the Lord and of the Lord. Be a model and an example of the Lord and instruct them in the Lord. Do you see, do you see the difference? Instruct them of the Lord. I, I am actually a follower of the Lord and I want to instruct you how to follow the Lord. And I also want to instruct you in content, in the Lord. Do you see the, the, the difference? I think it's both. Now, how do you do that? <sighs> There's freedom. There's, there's a lot of freedom in that. That's where, that's where churches work together. We don't bind our conscience or moralize our preference and practice. Um, there's freedom in that. Um, but that's the call. That's the call on us. Um, we partner with our children to do that. Um, that's a heavy one though, isn't it? Okay, so we need to remind ourselves back to Ephesians 5.18. How, how do we do this? What did Ephesians 5.18 say to us? Do not get drunk on wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. Present continuous verb. Be being filled. Be being filled. Why do we continually need to be being filled? because this is so far beyond our ability to do this, right? I mean, come on, y'all. 
Are you serious? There's a difference between raising good compliant kids and raising kids that love Jesus and partner with us to create Christ culture homes, right? One, we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Yes? Because here's the thing, and I'll end with this. Jesus is in control of all of this. Yes? There's mystery in all of this. Yes? Did God create a perfect garden? And did his kids rebel? There's mystery in all of this. And we have to humble ourselves before our mighty God and say, we need you, Spirit. And we need your instruction. And we need your church. And we need you. And we fall on our knees. And there is no such thing as salvation by good parenting. And there is no such thing as good parenting equals good kids. But then we turn to a smiling God who absolutely loves our children and adores our children and longs for our children to come home. That is our hope, church. Amen? That is our hope. And that is our prayer. Amen.